everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rorcrow. And today we have a big episode planned. We'll be sharing our Oscar nomination predictions. We'll be going through every category except for the three shorts categories. We're saving those for when we actually get the nominations and we can discuss them. I mean, I've been updating my gold derby predictions which is just like where i keep everything it's just an easy way to one see how things are changing based on their odds but two to like keep it in one place and just be able to move my numbers around too but i've been updating that all season and i still made changes today like it's an ongoing thing and it's so exhausting and i just want them to come out finally (laughs) but this week was also so big like you mentioned because of the guild updates we got So those will definitely work in and those influence some of my nominations and changes that I made today. And we'll still get some next week. But then we're also getting WGA after the Oscar nominations and then Ace a week after. Like, I'm curious how that is going to play out. But yeah, sharing our Oscar nomination predictions. I'm excited. It's always fun to see where we overlap and what our differences are too. So I guess let's back up a tiny bit and talk about the Golden Globes. Our first really big award ceremony before, as of recording, the Critics' Choice Awards tonight. Again, another body adjacent to the Academy, and I'm kind of curious how some of those awards will go, but what did you love about the show? What surprised you? Maybe what didn't you like? The Golden Globes are the first big awards show of the year, and last year, because of everything that had happened with the HFPA and that show, you know, not really happening. It being behind closed doors at the Beverly Hilton, and we got these strange Twitter updates about the winners, and we tried to make sense of it all, but this group is difficult to understand, right? It's members of the press. They're international. There aren't that many of them. Like, it's a group that is much smaller than the Academy. They're not industry people, but they've always had this outsized influence because they put on the first award show. It's this big party. And it's clear that people, I think, in that room were just excited to be back. It felt like things were normal again. And we can talk about why they weren't with COVID and everything, but I think people were eager to feel that way again. So that excitement, I think, was palpable in the room. People were very drunk throughout the night. I think that Gerard Carmichael, the host had a hard time sort of reining in the Mm -hmm. room a lot of times. You could hear them and how loud they were, and you wondered whether or not they were even paying attention to some of these speeches that were taking place. But the highlights for me actually were Jennifer Coolidge and Regina Hall. I think that they both completely stole the show, were absolutely hilarious. Jennifer Coolidge should host a show like Mm -hmm. this, or... Every single show needs to at least secure her as a presenter because that woman is funny without even trying to be. She just is incredible. But then Regina Hall, when she was discovering in real time that Kevin Costner was not there because he was sheltering in place in his Santa Barbara home, was one of the greatest organic bits of comedy I've seen in a while at an awards show. So I think I personally thought that this was... A step in the right direction for an awards show compared to last year's Oscars, which were just abysmal Mm -hmm. in every way, shape, or form. These awards, at least, 
yes, they went over, they were really long, but I thought that for the most part, the show was enjoyable and fun to watch. And on the whole, the winners were pretty good too. I don't look at this list of winners and think, oh my God, what Mm -hmm. were they thinking? And that definitely could have happened. So I kind of (laughs) expect that to happen. Usually I'm like, okay, this sounds too good. Like in terms of predicting, like where are things going awry? What isn't going to happen that I'm expecting it to? And that really came in international feature, which in terms of the Golden Globes is not a highlight, but it will bleed into my predictions for today. But I also did really like the show overall. We knew that we were going to get those HFPA mentions and them bettering themselves with Gerard Carmichael in his introduction. And I don't know if his energy was totally right in terms of reigning in the crowd because like getting those oh my god it's so noisy I don't know if you can hear me jokes over and over and over again I was like it's not a thing for us as a television audience like move on do something funny but I also agree I've been watching the Jennifer Coolidge and Regina Hall Jennifer was an acceptance speech but Regina was just there presenting and I've watched them over and over and over it was really the best part of the night for me some other like highlights were when ryan murphy had mj rodriguez stand for winning last year as being the first trans winner and seeing her mouth thank you to ryan was just so touching as well michelle yo winning obviously and having her moment and colin farrell just his accent being up there accepting his speech and like the double earrings i don't i don't know it just it's a smash (laughs) it was so pleasing (laughs) (laughs) he was giving like big daddy energy and i was just here for it (laughs) yeah i will never complain about seeing colin farrell on stage he's also just such a deserving winner for the Mm -hmm. banshees of inisherin i love that performance it is hands down my favorite in the category this year i hope he can continue this all the way to the Oscars, really like crossing my fingers that they can go with a performance like this because they never do. So everyone, we're going to keep keep hoping that this is going to happen. But yeah, I think it was interesting to see this group sort of play it safe, right? Like the Fablemans being the winner for best drama, that was the sensible prediction that you had a while ago. And ultimately, like we thought they would go with something like Elvis, like that felt like the pick of the globes, but they went with the Fablemans. They went with Spielberg. They went with the Banshees of Inisherin in comedy musical. They picked good movies. And I feel like sometimes when we think of this group and when we think of the globes, we think of those choices like Aaron Taylor Johnson for Nocturnal Animals or Bohemian Rhapsody, these choices that seemingly come out of nowhere that don't really reflect the way that we thought about movies throughout the season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting to see them go this route, which they actually did last year, too. Remember West Side Story and The Power of the Dog won. So this is not the end of the road for any film that didn't win, especially not everything ever all at once. But, yeah, I think people were starting to doubt the Fablemans and Spielberg, and I think seeing not only him give a speech for winning Best Director, but hearing so many people who went up on that stage thank him or point him out 
that was something that told me, okay, maybe he is winning Best Director. Like this, it could just happen. Maybe the momentum is back in his court. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it during like all of the Abbott Elementary wins that they kept flashing to the Fableman's table? They kept showing this table. And I, I thought, what is going on here? I was like, okay, this movie is definitely winning now, drama, because something is going on. Yeah, and I think when you think about or look at all of the SAG nominations and how the Fablemans really has been underperforming in acting categories and places where everybody from Everything Everywhere All at Once is showing up in the acting categories and that not winning at the Globes, like it threw a lot of curveballs that, again, we'll get into today when we talk about our noms because of how guilds are shaping things. But it did give me more hope for my number one movie of the year, which is great. (laughs) I think I'm still being cautious, but also it was just horrifying to read that Lisa Marie Presley died because she had just been there at the ceremony. And to hear the love from this movie, you know, from viewers, from these celebrities multiple bodies that have seen it and connected with it in audiences as well too but to hear of her passing so quickly after was just so shocking oh yeah it was heartbreaking and so sudden especially to see her there and to see her in pictures with priscilla and Mm -hmm. with austin like celebrating that moment oh it's just i feel so badly for that family and feel horribly for Riley Keough as well, right? She lost her brother really recently and now her mom. So it's a lot. And I think that family too has been in the public eye. I mean, can the Presleys be even more in the public eye? Like they're a very, very famous family, but with Elvis and its popularity Mm -hmm. and having these screenings and birthday screenings and getting nominated for awards, it just, it feels, I think, even more sudden because we've just been seeing her around so much and hearing her her praise Austin and praise the movie so yeah absolutely awful so let's get into nomination predictions starting with your favorite category why don't you take it away (laughs) yes my favorite category best animated feature so before we get into our predictions just a caveat again I know you said this at the top of the episode but As of recording, we still are waiting on the BAFTA nominations and a few more guilds, so these could change, theoretically, right before our nominations come out, but this is what we're going with at the moment. I don't know if I'm really going to even change mine that much. BAFTA isn't always the best predictor. Last year, Mm -hmm. it certainly (laughs) threw us some curveballs. So anyway, animated feature. My predicted nominees are Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Turning Red, and Wendell and Wild. And I guess before we start, when you're listing these, are you ranking them? Mine are alphabetized in every category except for picture. Mine I mostly have ranked in terms of like possibility, and I try to switch them around. But again, it, it's kind of a crapshoot in some categories mm-hmm. where we have overlap from guilds and whatnot. But my predicted nominees are... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Turning Red, and My Father's Dragon. Okay, so we have one difference here. I have Wendell and Wild. You have My Father's Dragon. 
I went with Wendell and Wilde for a couple of reasons. It didn't get the best reviews, but it's Henry Selleck who did Coraline also, and it was his first feature since Coraline. It has Jordan Peele, who's a former winner as a producer, and his company, uh, Monkey Paw Productions, produced the film. So I'm wondering if that has like any sort of power within within the voters' minds and maybe could push this into that fifth spot. I liked Wendell and Wilde, and I don't know, I'm just hesitant on the industry's ability to make it a nominee because of its subject matter is a little darker than mm. most animated features. But also I feel like they're more populist in that they have nominated some not so great Disney or Pixar films too. And I know my fifth choice isn't a Pixar film or a Disney film, but like, I'm still curious, like, will Strange World show up? Will Lightyear show up? Will Minions? Oh, please no. (laughs) (laughs) That comment was specifically for Lightyear, by the way, not for Minions. (laughs) The thing about Minions is that it's been nominated with certain guilds under their animated categories. Plus, it was like a big family film and kids love it. And those predecessors like Despicable Me have shown up. So I'm just so curious. I kind of have a similar reason for why I put My Father's Dragon in is that the director of this movie was previously nominated for The Breadwinner. And she was also a producer on Wolfwalkers, which was didn't win, but beloved by so many audiences. So I'm just like, no, this hasn't been nominated anywhere else yet, but could it? Like it wasn't also on the long list for BAFTA. I just don't really know what that fifth spot is. And I'm scared to put in something bigger just because. Yeah, I feel pretty secure in the other four. Turning Mm -hmm. Red, Puss in Boots, Pinocchio, and Marcel the Shell with shoes on. This is actually a a better category than it usually is. (laughs) I really like Turning Red. And I loved Marcel the Shell, Pinocchio, and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So... It's shaping up to be a good category, I think. Okay, let's get into documentary feature. My predicted nominees are All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, All That Breathes, Navalny, Fire of Love, and The Territory. Okay, and my predicted nominees are All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Descendant, Fire of Love, and Navalny. So we only have one difference here as well. You have The Territory and I have Descendant. I put in the territory, I haven't seen either of these yet, but I looked up their summaries and I think the territory being about an environmental cause, which is where these documentaries, these nominees usually go, that's my main push. I think they're both streaming, so they're both easy to watch. Mm -hmm. Documentary feature is always challenging because they always take out a big contender and put in something we've never heard of sometimes besides seeing it on the shortlist. So I would actually say that I will not be surprised if Descendant and the Territory make it in and we see something big like All the Beauty and the Bloodshed or Fire of Love miss Mm -hmm. because that is very on brand for this branch to do, to take a big winner and to say, no, thank you. We are going to cut you out of the nominations. Mm-hmm. I really hope it's not all the beauty in the bloodshed because I absolutely loved that movie. We talked about it on our best of 2022 episode. I put the descendant in because 
one, I thought that this was an incredibly powerful documentary. I was absolutely sucked into its world. I highly recommend watching it to anyone. So it's about the descendants of the survivors from the Clotilda, which was the last known slave ship. And not only am I picking it because of the subject matter and how powerful the documentary is, I'm picking it because it is produced by Higher Ground Productions, which is Obama's production company. Mm -hmm. And they have a great track record at the Oscars. So my wisdom here says put them in. I think the main one that is missing is Moon Age Daydream, but again, Mm -hmm. it could show up unexpectedly because it was also shortlisted in the sound category. And being about a singer, David Bowie, like there is potential. I hope it gets in. I love Moon Age Daydream. I would would be all for that. I hope it gets into sound too. Next we have Best International Feature, your favorite category. Seriously, not facetiously. My predicted nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, Decision to Leave, and The Quiet Girl. And my predictions are Decision to Leave, Argentina 1985, All Quiet on the Western Front, Close, and Holy Spider. Again, one difference. (laughs) (laughs) This is so tough this year. I've been trying to see them Mm -hmm. all. I have a few left. I want to see EO this week before oh my nominations gosh. come out. <laughs> I know you have kept <laughs> I mentioning love that one. EO. <laughs> but I just saw Holy Spider last night and I was just blown away. It is also giving me the man who sold his skin vibes from a couple years ago. Oh my God. It's about a true story. It's a harrowing story. And I remember like we got that screener and I just like felt like maybe it could show up and it did and I wasn't really expecting it to and I think this is like midway down the list of those shortlisted nominees released and I'm like I think there's potential because there's strong subject matter about this man who is a serial killer killing these sex workers around Mashhad this holy city and he feels like it's his right and duty to rid the city of these women. And there are certain parts that are really hard to watch, but overall it's just a really insightful and important film that, again, I think they could go for. Making this decision, I thought back to realizing that anyone voting for this category had to have seen all of the movies, and I feel Mm -hmm. like it could stand out in that way. Yeah, I think that's those are all all good points and I think the subject matter sometimes this category specifically showcases really difficult subject matters I feel like it is there's no in between it's either things that they think are easy Mm -hmm. topic wise like oh we just we need a break we need something a little bit easier or it's like the most devastating thing you've ever seen in your life (laughs) will be an international feature (laughs) so I can see holy spider getting in absolutely What's crazy here is that neither of us have Bardo, the Inuritu film. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen still. I, I feel like that's possible, but it, it just hasn't been performing in the way that we expected. So that's why I left it out. And then Eo and Santo Mare, which both of those films I love with my whole heart. They feel like critics picks to me. And sometimes this branch doesn't go with movies like that. I put The Quiet Girl in because this movie has just 
slowly overcome a lot of the obstacles in its way. It's an easier watch than some of the others. I don't mean that pejoratively or anything like that, but the subject matter, it's about a little girl who's who's really shy and tries to overcome that. And it's Ireland's submission. I just remember I, I kept seeing things about this movie online and people really responding to it. And then I saw that it got longlisted at the BAFTAs for adapted screenplay and director too. So I thought, okay, maybe this does have some sort of hold over this group. So yeah, it's a competitive category again. The three that I'm most confident in are actually All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, after that Golden Globe win. Mm -hmm. That just sounded alarm bells for me and close. I I think close. I, I feel like people who watch that movie will vote for it because of its emotional impact on the flip side i feel like it could miss too just because Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know if our overlapped predictions here were those final nominees and the most likely to win i couldn't pick one to win right now it's just too close of a race i would lean all quiet on the western front just because of its popularity and performance with other branches so far but of all of the shortlists that we got, this is definitely the strongest. Where if I were a voter, I would have the hardest time choosing mm-hmm. five. Yeah. And that's the way it is every year. But I need the nominations to come out mostly for All Quiet on the Western Front because it's shortlisted in so many categories. Because on Gold Derby, it's high in categories that I wouldn't really expect it to get a nomination for. And I need to know if there is as much love there as we think there is mm-hmm. because I would say the same thing. Like I would lean all quiet on the Western front as a safe winner, but Argentina 1985 has won multiple awards. So you can't really leave it out when RRR didn't win at the globes. I was like shoe in to win. And I was like, well, maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. political unrest is more of a motivator than something that is so beloved. Like I saw that video of, the Chinese theater in LA and people were cheering, clapping, screaming during an Mm -hmm. actual performance during the movie. Like that is wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) And obviously RRR can't get in, in this category, but it still could in Mm -hmm. others. Okay. Next category is visual effects. My predicted nominees here are avatar, the way of water, black Panther, Wakanda forever, top gun, Maverick, the Batman, and Nope. We are five for five for the first time today. I had Doctor Strange in earlier, but I switched it out for Nope because, yes, it's a little bit of a hope diction, but I'm thinking of what the reels would be that the VFX artists assembled for the Bake Off, and I just can't imagine watching how they put Nope together. Specifically, everything with Gordy, the chimp, everything with Jean Jacket, everything with that house and the blood raining down on it, Mm. and not want to vote for it. I know that's my personal bias, loving the movie, but I'm trying to just put myself in the room and think, what would I be impressed with? And I feel like I would be more impressed with that than just awarding multiple big budget comic book movies. I don't know. Sometimes they go with different picks. Like they picked Love and Monsters that one year. We didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I know we have some of those others shortlisted like Jurassic World and Doctor Strange, but we know those usually don't win. And while I feel like Avatar is the shoe-in to win, I'm holding out hope for Nope. That can be mm-hmm. like a new tagline for us because I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> It'll show up in other categories where it probably has no chance of getting into, but I'm just willing it into existence. But again, another category for All Quiet on the Western Front that I'm like just not entirely sure that it could get into. Yeah, I think All Quiet on the Western Front's definitely possible. The one here that I'm most secure of is Avatar The Way of Water. We haven't talked about this movie on the show yet, but I was dazzled. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not going to lie. For the middle portion of this movie, I felt like I was actually on Pandora, like in this other world, underwater. It was unlike any experience I've ever had at the movies. Uh, really I and I went into it such a naysayer I was like I'm gonna hate this like why am I doing this I can't do the 3d glasses you know all Mm -hmm. of that and I I was just sitting there in awe like feeling like I was actually underwater Mm -hmm. it's crazy the visual effects are unlike anything I've ever seen before it is easily the best 3d experience I've ever had and it's not like I've seen that many movies in 3d but I feel like it's come so far since the first avatar was in theaters and yeah the water is just undeniable when you texted me after you saw the movie and you said you cried I was like is she (laughs) like being facetious like what and you were like no I actually cried I was like wow (laughs) James Cameron his action sequences really really do move me Mm -hmm. and the visual effects really did too I I just was sucked into this world so then when everything happens in the third act i was overwhelmed i totally agree i think some of the plot points and the writing isn't on par with the visual effects but i kind of look past those things in terms of Mm -hmm. this world the creativity the innovation and that it took me probably more than 45 minutes to realize who kate winslet was oh my god so i i knew who she was before because you had told me or someone had had sent me a picture of her in mm-hmm. <laughs> in the role. Okay. So I, of course, was eagerly awaiting the arrival <laughs> of Kate Winslet in the film. But yeah, I think, you know, writing and all the problems with the characters aside, this movie is a visual effects achievement to me. Like, that is what you think of first and foremost. So, yeah. Next, we have another very fun category, original song. My predicted nominees are... Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Ciao Papa from Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Natu Natu from RRR. When I first saw your predictions listed and that applause was at number one, I was like, wow, she's really going there. (laughs) But no, it's just alphabetical. (laughs) Yes, I was like, Diane Warren, it's her time. She's going to win. Now that she has an honorary, they're going to give her a competitive one. No, but I do think she's going to be nominated. So do I. We are five for five again. Overall, I think the thing I'm most worried about is them snubbing Lady Gaga. But she has shown up before and not won. So I, I know Top Gun Maverick is a crowd pleaser. It has a lot of support. But that's my one worry. I think Rihanna is pretty safe. I think not to not to. 
could be our winner. That would be fun. Yeah. I loved his speech at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I think Lady Gaga will be fine. I feel like Top Gun Maverick is such a hit. And I don't like that song outside of the movie, but I think it works in the movie. Bonus points there. I also just want to flag for everyone. I will not be surprised if we get a random appearance by Dust and Ash. <laughs> that one we were all shocked to see on the shortlist by mm-hmm. favorite of the music branch, J. Ralph. But what misses? Do you think Chow Papa misses? Do you think Diane Warren wouldn't show up? In that case, it might be Lady Gaga or Rihanna. Chow Papa feels safe because they tend to have at least one pick that's from an animated film. I don't know, though. This category is known to have a shakeup here or there. So I, I'm just saying, if <laughs> if it happened, I, w- I wouldn't be that surprised. And we'll have to find a way to watch Dustin Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping the first thing we hear when they read the nominations that it's applause. That needs to be the first word that they say. Okay, let's move on to original score. My predicted nominees here are Babylon, Pinocchio, the Fablemans, Women Talking, and The Banshees of Inishirin. We are five for five again. Very competitive year for film scores. Got some fantastic submissions this year. I am a huge fan of Justin Hurwitz's score for Babylon. I listen to it every single day. I am not kidding. It has a hold over me. I am sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hilder being nominated again for Women Talking... I love Carter Burwell's score for Banshees. Alexander Desplat feels like a branch favorite, so I think he'll appear for Pinocchio. And then John Williams for The Fablemans. Mm-hmm. He has been like doing these great interviews with Spielberg. This score is, it's not a, a big Williams score that you think of when you think of him, but it just, it sort of feels right with the campaign and with the timing and everything. So I think these are our five. If anything spoils here, I would go with The Woman King, which is by Terrence Blanchard, because he got nominated for To Five Bloods, and we thought everything with that movie was dead, that award season, and then he magically appeared on Oscar nomination morning. So if he if he pops in for The Woman King, that would be pretty well-deserved, too. I, I thought The Woman King had a really good score. My spoiler would be She Said, only because the composer there is Nicholas Bertel, who was nominated mm. last year for Don't Look Up. I don't know. Again, it's kind of hard to say which one would miss in lieu of them. I feel like Hilder having one also makes her pretty secure, even though I'm not sure how they feel about women talking. We will get there in supporting actress. But the Banshees has support, even if it doesn't overlap with the Globes. I mean, it won screenplay there and picture and actor. So I'm not as worried I mean, I could see the Fablemans missing, but John Williams, 52 nominations, I believe. It's insane. He just gets in for everything. So it's just hard to predict a miss because it's like he got in for the most recent Star Wars. Yeah. It's like, what? Mm -mm. So, yeah, I feel like for this movie, I I wouldn't think he would miss, but stranger things have happened. (laughs) Next, we have Sound. My predicted nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Top Gun Maverick. We are four for five. Our only one that doesn't overlap is I Have the Batman and You Have All Quiet. My reasoning here is that with the guilds, 
the Batman, Everything Everywhere, and Top Gun were all doubly nominated at the Motion Picture Sound Editors. And then with the Cinema Audio Society, there were only five noms. There was only one category. So there, along with the Batman and Top Gun Maverick, also showed up Elvis, Avatar, and All Quiet, which would make more sense for All Quiet to get in, but I feel like it's either that or Everything Everywhere, which in that way, I just am unsure. This is where figuring out how much the entire Academy loves All Quiet on the Western Front will come in, because I just don't think showing up in sound, even though like 1917, it is very similar and it's incredible Mm -hmm. to watch. It's a great experience, but I just went for the Batman where it showed up in three categories over two guilds. I think that makes sense. I don't know if this makes sense, but I just thought to myself, what is more likely to get an editing nomination? And for me, that felt like All Quiet on the Western Front over the Batman. And their love for war films and Mm -hmm. the sound work in All Quiet on the Western Front is so good. Like, not just the war sounds, but the sounds that they collect of everyday objects, like a typewriter Mm -hmm. or a sewing machine. I was really just floored by the sound work in the movie. The sound work in the Batman is great, too. It's, It's just, it's a hard call. I also, I thought the sound work in Babylon was great, so I would also push for that to get in. And that's why I kept going back and forth, too. It's like, <laughs> I know film editing is aligned, and that's the one guild that we won't have until after the nominations come out. So I'm like, wonderful. I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with everything everywhere all at once, that was one where this is just one where I went out on a limb and said, okay. I think this movie is going to do well with the Academy and it's going to be strong. And this is a place where we're going to see its strength in a similar Mm -hmm. way to the power of the dog last year. when we saw it get production design and sound. I think that everything everywhere will appear in this category. In addition to editing. I wouldn't hate it. I think they're both great in this technical field for sure. Next up we have makeup and hairstyling. My predicted nominees are Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Babylon, The Whale, and Blonde. Okay, so we are four for five. I don't have Babylon. I have the Batman instead. I'm going with the heavy prosthetics that they put on Colin Farrell (laughs) for Penguin. And Rob Pattinson wears a lot of makeup in the film, too. Mm -hmm. Is that like smudged eye makeup. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, but specifically, I think, for the prosthetic work on Colin Farrell. He doesn't have much screen time. I think it is the biggest transformation of the year in terms of prosthetic work. Like, I still, when I rewatched this movie, couldn't see Colin Farrell, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Like, if you can do that, you deserve the award. But I just don't know, again, about this movie that came out so long ago. That is a technical feat, but like, will they actually support it and nominate it? Okay. So I have a comparison from last year. Okay. It doesn't work perfectly, but I remember we were worried a little bit about Dune and thinking about how like, oh, well, are they just going to showcase Baron Harkonnen and his prosthetic work? Because that Mm -hmm. is the majority of the makeup in that film. And that worked out fine for that. That was a stronger technical player, obviously, than the Batman will be, I think. But 
I feel like at a bake-off, I can see them just showcasing Mm -hmm. that piece of work, and that could be enough. I don't know, though. It's hard. The other thing is I don't think the Batman's a Best Picture nominee, which is where maybe some of these other categories, they can pick up more nominations, but I don't think that's the case for the Batman. But where I still think Babylon could definitely happen and show up, and that's why I have that here. Yeah, and Babylon has a lot of a lot of work in the movie on many characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could see that happening, and they do like going for period. That makes me wonder about Amsterdam. I have to say it. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> the makeup and the wigs. Oh, there God. is usually a contender that has a lot of wig yeah. work. So not ruling it out totally. I'm not putting it in my five. Okay, and then for the next category, we have costume design. I have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Corsage, Elvis, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. We are three for five. I have Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Woman King instead of your Corsage and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I just remember being so wowed by the costumes in The Woman King and... I wouldn't be surprised if that shows up because of that film support too. Everything Everywhere is a film that I put in a lot of technical categories and those below the line because of its support. But the Globes were kind of an eye-opening experience and that it showed me that it may not be a shoe-in to win everywhere. So maybe it doesn't show up. And I know there is a track record of period films showing up here. So... I almost put Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris in. (laughs) I'm just rooting for it just to get in because, one, I mean, Jenny Bevan, her work is Mm -hmm. incredible. She's won multiple times before, but the movie is all about the costumes. It's all about that dress and Mm -hmm. those dresses at Dior, and it's also period. That always helps. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those predictions that I was, like, very hopeful for at the beginning of the year in, in the summer when I saw the movie. Corsage is really just a, it's a gut feeling pick mm-hmm. based on how impressed I was by the costumes when I saw the movie. I might also be reading a little bit too far into BAFTA, which long listed Corsage and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris and everything everywhere all at once missed there. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about the long lists. I think, you know, looking at guilds, they're mostly American but then the long lists are a bigger audience. It's, I don't know. I mean, the Fablemans was very snubbed from BAFTA, and that kind of reminded me of last year as well. Mm-hmm. So next category is production design. My predicted nominees here are Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Babylon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the Fablemans. So we're four for five. I have Avatar The Way of Water, and you have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The thing with Avatar, I guess it's a blind spot for me in not understanding how it could show up in production design. Yes, in cinematography, but I just don't feel as strongly in those categories that it can. But at ADG, the Art Directors Guild, all of these were nominated in the three categories that it has. I think the one that may not show up is The Fablemans, but if that's one of our biggest Best Picture contenders... I think it has a chance of showing up here. I do too. I think with the Fablemans, I had it out earlier in the season, but it keeps getting nominated places. It keeps showing up on lists for production design. And 
I started thinking more about it and thought, okay, you do have a lot of sets in that movie that they had to construct. The different homes where they move, the sets of his short films when he's growing up, right? Like the war Mm -hmm. film he makes and that beach day and the school. Like there are a lot of sets that are built to construct a very particular time in history. Again, it's a period film. Those tend to do well in production design, costume design, makeup and hairstyling. So yeah, I, I put it in here because it has just, it keeps popping up. I'm with you with Avatar. I don't totally understand how a movie that has so much CG sometimes or can get nominated in categories like this because it's just not how I am used to thinking about production design. But having read about it a little bit more and about how they built these worlds, I thought, oh, that's that's actually very cool how all of that came together. It's just very different from what you think of when you think of production design for, say, Elvis or Babylon. It feels like visual effects. Like that to me, mm-hmm. I separate, yeah. but I definitely need to read into more of that, which if it's nominated, we will do for our contender series. Yes. Okay. Are you ready for one of the hardest categories oh. we have? <laughs> Cinematography. Okay. I have Bardo, Empire of Light, The Fablemans, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. Wow, we're four for five. I was kind of surprised by that. Hmm. I have Babylon instead of Empire of Light. You took out Sir Roger. (laughs) I know he's shown up for wilder picks before, but if this is the only category that Empire of Light shows up in, I I don't feel great about it. This to me, it's it's two things here. We have a category where it is fully up in the air. <laughs> ASC, which usually aligns very well with the Oscars, didn't go the way that anyone planned. The nominees were shocking yeah. <laughs> to have Bardo, Top Gun Maverick, Empire of Light, Elvis, and The Batman. No one was predicting those five. It's fine. We love a shakeup. But the other part is, I think he's the type of person where it doesn't matter if the film isn't hitting. They will just name check Deacons because he is who he is. He has double digit nominations. He has two recent wins where I feel like he's so respected in the field that they could just vote for him even if they didn't Mm -hmm. like the movie. But also I just love him. So maybe that is interfering with my judgment. (laughs) In the same vein are Bardo and Nope, which, like you said, Bardo showed up at ASC. Nope is a hope diction. Oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Great. Glad we're on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) But Hoyta Van Hoytema is such a mainstay for Nolan Mm -hmm. and has been nominated before for Dunkirk. So I, I think there's potential and there were a lot of press articles that came out or in interviews about how he made the film and the techniques they used and created. And I think it's just a masterpiece of a movie itself in showcasing cinematography. So again, it's like mm-hmm. very down on the list in terms of predictions. Avatar The Way of Water is really high. Also All Quiet on the Western Front. Just like a big fat question mark. And, and you have Babylon. Like, that's, that got longlisted at BAFTA, which BAFTA only longlists in cinematography 10. So it made the 10 there. Another one that's possible, Tar. 
my beloved Tar. I would love for Florian Hoffmeister to surprise. We talked about him winning the Golden Frog Camera Image Award this mm-hmm. year. I was rooting for him to get in at ASC, and he didn't. But maybe this place is the chance. Maybe I'll switch my hope diction from nope to tar. Yes, we're going to do it live. <laughs> but I do think that Hoyta Van Hoytema, what's interesting about him is that he really is one of the like upcoming faces when I think of young cinematographers mm-hmm. who are doing incredible work. I think his time is probably going to come next year with Oppenheimer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. Okay, next up we have film editing. My predictions are Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. Okay, and my predicted nominees are Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. I really don't feel good about my list at all. This is like the worst category for me every single year. I always do really poorly with editing. Just a caveat for listeners. But we're four for five. You just have Tar instead of my Babylon. I would love to Mm -hmm. see Tar show up. This is definitely wishful thinking. But the editing in that film is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And it has been recognized in places. Monica Willie, her work, and it makes the film. The reason the film moves in the way that it does and uses music in the way that it does and this way that the sound is used. Like that, a lot of that is because of her and her work. So... I think that Tar, for me, is a top five picture contender. So sometimes that can be a sign of strength in other places, too. So I'm hoping editing is a place where it's recognized. I'm scared about the Fablemans here. I'm getting, like, flashbacks to Michael Kahn missing Ace last year and then West Side Story missing editing. I definitely think... It could be on the chopping block. The reason why I think Tar has a chance is exactly why you said, is that it's in the top five. I think Todd Field is going to be in for director two. And editing is another category that usually goes in conjunction with best picture or those bigger categories. So like, why not have it show up here when Babylon isn't? Yeah. The editing in Babylon is good, though. It's Tom Cross, too. Mm-hmm. And there is more. When I think of Elvis, I don't necessarily think of editing, but I think there's a lot of support there for it. It was also long listed. Well, for things like Elvis and everything everywhere all at once, like these are the types of movies where I do think it, it feels like a lot of editing or a specific style of editing that typically gets nominated here, mm-hmm. which is why I put both of those in. And the sound pair as well. Like thinking about the sound, I have three overlapping with my sound nominees elvis everything everywhere all at once and top gun maverick yeah i have three out of five i just switched out for picture contenders for babylon and the fablemans instead of avatar and the batman but i still think avatar could show up here could show up in cinematography i still have it in picture i just don't know what to make of that movie (laughs) i I really don't i'm becoming more and more unsure of a lot of things as this podcast goes on (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-oh well maybe we can clarify some things in adapted screenplay my predicted nominees are all quiet on the western front glass onion living the whale and women talking oh boy we're three for five oh geez (laughs) i have she said and pinocchio instead of the whale and living living is another movie i'm not sure about Will Bill Nye show up? 
great film, great adaptation. I don't know if he's going to show up. This is, of the screenplay categories, the one I'm way less sure about. But I think you're smart with putting the whale in, seeing it show up at PGA. I'm just kind of, like, upset about it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that the whale is happening. And you know that I am the least excited person about this. The fact that this screenplay could beat Sarah Polly and Kazuo Ishiguro is upsetting to me personally. I understand that there are fans of this movie, but I don't understand it as a screenplay pick. But I think it it's a sign of strength that it got in a PGA and audiences are really connecting with it so okay next is original screenplay my predictions here are the banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once tar the fablemans and after sun Ooh, i love the after sun pick so we have one difference here you have after sun i have triangle of sadness i think there's a world where both of those happen and hear me out the fablemans misses oof that is something I've been toying around with, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I don't know. Kushner uh, is respected, and it, it's it's up there as a top contender. Mm-hmm. But After Sun really has like a strong push behind it. I think writers will like Tar. I think writers will like Ban- the Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. And Triangle of Sadness. I've just had this feeling about this movie ever since I first saw it that the Academy will like it, and the rich people will miss the point of the satire. <laughs> They like Oslin, we know that, and I think it's definitely possible. Triangle of Sadness will show up in a big one for me later. After Sun is tied to Best Actor for me in that I just don't know. Mm-hmm. It is really beloved amongst critics so far, and yes, those bodies don't overlap, but I think it still has potential. I mean, Charlotte Wells has been winning over and over and over. Yeah. So if there's enough love in different categories, I think it could show up and it could multiple times. And that to me is the lost daughter, that comparison. That comparison is smarter than what I was going to say, which is that I've been toying with this many times, but the idea of actor son pulling a beast of the Southern wild in getting (laughs) screenplay an acting nom, a picture nom and a director nom. Wow. Despite not getting like any precursors, traditional Mm -hmm. precursors anyway it just appearing because the love for it is that strong oh i'm so tempted to do it (laughs) oh my god i think you're smart to have triangle though okay i think it's a safer fifth pick to do that safe doesn't always mean happy though (laughs) (laughs) okay let's get into acting i don't feel great about this so here we go (laughs) i have paul dano for the fablemans Brendan Gleeson in The Banshees of Inisherin, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brad Pitt for Babylon, and Kiwi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. We are four for five. I have Ben Wishaw for Women Talking instead of Brad Pitt. Like, that's a better choice. <laughs> yeah, but Brad Pitt got so much screen time during the Golden Globes. Everyone on stage was like, Brad Pitt, I love you. It's like, who... Who is he paying to do this? <laughs> Who is paying for this to happen right now? He's just like sitting there like Jack Nicholson. Anyway. The other thing is that Brad Pitt is a producer on Women Talking, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny that we have alternate picks for those two people slash movies. My thing for Ben Wishaw is 
partly in just because of what you said earlier on in the season of what if the male gets nominated and none of the females do that is a potential i forgot that i said that (laughs) i mean it's not wrong at all (laughs) they were both long listed for the bafta and for sag neither of them made it it was eddie redmayne for the good nurse but if that happens my god send me to jail i don't know (laughs) like (laughs) so Eddie Redmayne for The Good Nurse. I'm sticking to my guns here. I've said this from the beginning of the season that this is the Jared Leto and the Little Things nomination where he gets in Mm -hmm. at the precursors and then misses come Oscar. And I feel pretty confident about that. Between Brad Pitt and Ben Wishaw, it makes me wonder, like, is there going to be a surprise from somewhere else that we're not considering here? Like... Are we going to get a surprise Judd Hirsch nomination for The Fablemans? Yeah. Is that going to be a sign of strength there for that movie? Are we going to see something especially wild and like Woody Harrelson gets in for Triangle of <laughs> Sadness? Like, I don't know. That's the thing, right? Because yeah. Babylon and Women Talking, it doesn't seem like they love these movies. So does that leave room for someone we're not thinking of to slip in? Tom Hanks for Elvis? Know. I would cry laughing if that happened, (laughs) but I think it would have happened at SAG. I mean, I'm really hoping both of the Banshees co-stars get in. Me too. And I think it's Kihoi Kwan's to lose. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of security. It's just with that fifth spot mainly of who's it going to be? We'll find out very soon. (laughs) Yeah. And... I mean, I have the same consideration in supporting actress. So my predictions here are Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin, Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Dolly De Leon for Triangle of Sadness. This category. My predicted nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Dolly DeLeon for Triangle of Sadness, and drum roll, please, <laughs> I've lost all my marbles, <laughs> Nina Haas for Tar. <laughs> I really wanted to put her in, too. Again, it comes back to Tar being a big picture contender, and, like, why not? No. The thing that none of us have are the women talking co-stars. I know. After I saw women talking, I thought, okay... How are they going to make room for all of these mm-hmm. women in supporting? How is it going to happen? Because you have to reserve two spots for Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley. Right. But now, where are they? They didn't get nominated at the Globes. The movie got nominated at SAG, but mm-hmm. in Ensemble, they didn't pick up individual nominations. It's just not happening anywhere. So I can't put them in based on that. So I thought about putting Stephanie Hsu in because getting that SAG nomination was key and i can see her being the jesse plemons from last year we talk we always talk about like who's going to be the jesse plemons who's Mm going to be this like extra person who gets the double nomination that we're maybe not expecting i think she's the person that's completely possible i almost put her in i don't think angela bassett is as secure as people are thinking either i think the marvel thing is really i don't know i I still think she's in. I still have her in, but I'm scared that being in a Marvel film will hurt her. But I do think she's strong enough to like overcome any of that, really. And she's very overdue. Am I crazy to think Jamie Lee Curtis could miss? No, not at all. 
I could actually see a world where Stephanie Shu gets in and Jamie Lee misses. Absolutely. The thing is, I could swap out with our picks. I'm surprised that you had Dolly as well. She's kind of this one that's been sneaking in again. If Triangle shows up, I think it could show up in like five or six categories. Mm -hmm. And there is enough support. But it's surprising that like we could also have said Carrie Condon, Stephanie Shu, Jesse Buckley, Hong Chow, and Dolly DeLeon. She's the other one that I'm like, yes, the whale showed mm-hmm. up for picture at PGA. I put her back in. But having two actors nominated from that film would make sense because that's what the film is. It's about the acting, but I'm not sure because I think Angela Bassett could miss in that sense. This category is just so up in the air. The only person I feel really, really confident in is Carrie Condon. <laughs> Let me give my Nina Haas mm-hmm. crazy pitch. Sometimes it happens where someone who doesn't hit any of the precursors finds a way in. This category is a place where there isn't really a consensus. It feels sort of all over the place. And I think every single person has something working against them here that can affect their ability to get a nomination. And Nina Haas gives a performance in a movie that I think will be very appreciated by international voters i don't trust the acting branch after the being the ricardo's nonsense last year but they did give us marina de tavira for roma i just i still feel like it's possible i know everyone's counting her out but i'm going to put her in and it's fine if i'm wrong but if i'm right i will be very very happy (laughs) the problem is is that you can use different mindsets for multiple actors in this category they negate each other so that's why it's so hard Mm-hmm. Now moving on to Best Actor. I have Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Bill Nye for Living, and Paul Mescal for After Sun. We are four for five. It's not for Paul, surprisingly. It's I have Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick instead of Bill Nye. No. <laughs> I know. I'm sure there's a great comparison for... Bill Nye, but he nor Diego Calva just they don't feel like they're into me. Living again is a great adaptation. He does well in the film, but it doesn't feel like an Oscar nomination, even though he's shown up everywhere else. He was in for SAG. He's in the long list, but Tom Cruise is also in the BAFTA long list where I was like, what? Why does Britain love Top Gun so much? Okay, Tom Cruise. Let's start with Bill Nye, actually. I feel like this feels like a nomination that is very standard Academy because one, I really like the performance. I actually do think he's deserving after seeing Living. I know that Living is probably more of my kind of movie considering Mm -hmm. I do love like the the British (laughs) British films. But yeah, I think hitting everywhere else, he's never been nominated before. And if the film is maybe getting into BAFTA, but also adapted screenplay... I feel like this feels like a solid first nomination. Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise, I just will not put him in. (laughs) I was waiting for SAG to happen. Right. And he didn't get in there. Adam Sandler got in for The Hustle, (laughs) which makes me think, okay, maybe Tom Cruise just isn't happening. So that's why I still have Bill Nye in. Paul Mescal, 
just feels like for me, it's like we've always tried to solve this issue of like who gets the fourth and fifth spots mm-hmm. or who gets the fifth spot. And yeah, I mean, he to me has the strongest case of getting in. Critics love the movie. It keeps winning things. And he's not winning, but I think it's okay because Colin Farrell's winning instead. And that's pretty consistent that he's winning. I mean, Brendan Fraser has picked up regional regional prizes, but for like New York and LA, we had Bill Nye and Colin Farrell. And if my theory stands that this could be like Beasts of the Southern Wilds, Paul fits in that mm-hmm. Quivenjane Wallace spot. He also has such a big career going on right now. Like he, we keep hearing announcements of things that he's signing on to do, and he seems like he has a really good spot in the industry right now. And they don't love to give young men wins in this category, but they do like to recognize them with nominations from time to time. Yeah, there's a lot of support for Paul. I would love to see it happen. Again, if it's not Diego, I don't know who else would show up. And we're not putting Hugh Jackman in the sun out into the no. ether. <laughs> I just feel like it drops off after that. And I'm like, so like, why not Paul? I think it's Paul. I would love that. Manifest. (laughs) Next up, our favorite category, best actress. My predictions here are Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Viola Davis for The Woman King, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Ana de Armas for Blonde. Okay, we are five for five. Wow. Uh, yeah. Ana de Armas is happening. So everyone get ready for us to pick our Oscar scenes for Ana from Blonde. (laughs) We will do our best that episode to talk about her performance and not our issues Mm -hmm. with the film. But yeah, I think she's getting in. And she got SAG. She got the Golden Globe nomination. She was BAFTA longlisted. It's a type of performance that the Academy and that the Actors Branch will like and I think something that I missed was thinking about people who would either say I didn't like the movie but I thought Anna was great Mm -hmm. or people who said wow think of what she went through in that movie and actors will respond to that it's a similar way of thinking about like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant it's grueling Mm -hmm. like actors love that yeah her showing up this week was when I put her in I switched out Margot Robbie for her, but also Daniel Deadweiler. She's in its SAG, so things just kind of go back and forth. But I don't think there's enough just because of this one nomination to put her in. Well, we also need to talk about Michelle Williams missing SAG Yeah, for the Fablemans. <laughs> that was crazy. I think that performance, though, people love that performance. And people also think that performance is way too much. So I... <sighs> And there's also the category confusion bit, that theory people are tossing around, like maybe she'll be nominated and supporting. Lord, like I, <laughs> I can't. I can't do it yet. Maybe. I've been thinking about it. But the sign with SAG that hurts her is that there isn't category confusion at SAG. She's in lead. You can't vote for her in supporting. You can only vote for her in lead. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> I think the strength of her name and the strength of the movie and my feeling that the performance connected with enough people will put her in, but not everyone hits every precursor on their way to Oscar. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that SAG is the largest branch and Daniel still made it in, I just go back and forth of being confused and feeling secure that Michelle will still get in. Also because of the movie and if this is Till's only nomination. 
Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't feel as right. Especially because if we think about every other person we listed, at least one of us has the movie picking up a nomination somewhere else. So like for Viola, the Woman King could get into score. It could get into costume design, right? Mm-hmm. Like it can it can show up yeah. in other categories. Whereas Till, I really do think that this is Daniel Deadweiler would be the only nominee for Till. Mm-hmm. But people love Daniel Deadweiler and her performance in Till. And that might be enough to get her in. She might have more passion votes than Michelle Williams. Wow. Hmm. Well, we could probably debate this until nominations. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> All right. Our second to last category, we have director. My predicted nominees are Edward Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Todd Field for Tar, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. We are four for five once again. One of those categories with the fifth spot, and I have Boz Lerman for Elvis. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like at this point oh. with the DGA noms, Kaczynski could show up for Top Gun. With the DGA noms quickly, the nominees there were Steven Spielberg, The Daniels, Todd Field, Martin McDonough, and Joseph Kaczynski. So what we both did is we took out Joseph Kaczynski and switched him for another person. Me with Edward Berger and Nick, you did Baz Luhrmann. I think James Cameron has potential too. Sarah Polly, I think it's like you said, the fumbling of the marketing campaign and the release that I don't really feel good about her showing up. But I think the fifth spot could be anybody, could be a surprise, could be Ostland for triangle of sadness could be gina prince bythewood for the woman king i mean we do have so many potentials here yeah i think the way i'm thinking about it right now i'm like tearing my hair out for the fifth (laughs) spot because i feel pretty secure in those four that i said were matches with dga but then my last spot where i put edward berger i am torn between choosing edward berger ruben ostland and charlotte wells Again, the Beast of the Southern Wild thing, and just if they love After Sun, we could see that happening, and I would love that. But also, they tend to go with an international pick here, at least in recent years. That's what we've seen. So that leads me to believe, I think, that like Boz Lerman and James Cameron not getting into DGA felt weird, because that group is so populist, and they've made these like big-budget, successful, popular films, mm-hmm. and they didn't make it in. So... I think, for me, it's between those three for that last spot. What about S.S. Rajamuli for RRR? I think it would have appeared in other places, maybe. The love for that film, though, I mean, maybe. It's possible. But I think I'm going to be looking to see who gets in at BAFTA Mm -hmm. before I make the final, final pick. But right now, I'm going with Edward Berger. Ruben Oslin might be the right choice, though. That feels right. Feels like an easy choice, Yeah. Ooh, maybe I'll switch Ugh, mine. Maybe I'll switch. Yeah. I just want Todd Field to win, but that's fine. I know. It's okay. It's I not going to happen. <laughs> Him or Spielberg, okay. or split the award, honestly. Okay, best picture. My predicted nominees are Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, The Banshees of Inishirin, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, Babylon, Women Talking, Avatar The Way of Water, and Triangle of Sadness. Okay, and my predicted nominees are Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, 
the Banshees of Inisherin, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, Avatar The Way of Water, Triangle of Sadness, Babylon, and The Whale. Well, so. Nine for ten, we just have different <laughs> W films. Yes, you have the stronger film, Women Talking, <laughs> and I have The Whale. I went with The Whale because it showing up at PGA just scared me. And I think it just, it sort of feels like if, you know, it's getting an actor nomination, a makeup nomination, an adapted screenplay nomination, and it got into PGA, that feels like it's going to hit picture. Mm-hmm. Of the movies listed here, if you look at PGA also, what we got there, the two other ones, so The Whale got into PGA, like I said, but the two others that got in that I don't have here are Glass Onion and... Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So I'm replacing those two with Triangle of Sadness and Babylon. Mm -hmm. Triangle of Sadness on the strength that I think the movie will have internationally and Babylon because I think it's going to scoop up a couple of tech nominations. I think betting on Damien Chazelle is a smarter move. That's why I also have it. Like if it's likely going to win score and showing up, like you said, in certain texts, I think it's safer the whale could get two acting noms like you had predicted could get a screenplay nom so it's some of these other films that have the potential to show up in a few categories that we're just not sure about but i'm feeling a little bit stronger about triangle of sadness recently and i didn't consider it for the longest time yeah honestly talking about it with you today and realizing we're sort of on the same wavelength about that movie (laughs) makes me feel more confident that I have it in places. But it's surprising that you have Edward Berger in for director, but not all quiet for picture. I definitely messed this up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Okay, I'm changing this now based on how I feel about picture. And I'm just going to think that Triangle of Sadness is going to be stronger. So I'm going to switch my director pick from Edward Berger to Ruben Ostland because I didn't realize that I had All Quiet on the Western Front missing picture. So live switch. That's what's happening. (laughs) The funny thing is, is that on Gold Derby, All Quiet is higher than The Whale. And that could be a delay problem. But I mean, I think it should be in the top 10. But I know that's not how it usually happens. So I will say I think it's an international film. I'm just not sure which at this point. We will see very soon. So Oscar nominations come out Tuesday, January 24th. We have plenty of announcements in between now and then. So by the time this episode airs, we'll have already gotten nominations for the Annie Awards, which are animation, the Visual Effects Society, USC Scripter, and BAFTA. Then we also have, as you said at the beginning, WGA coming Wednesday the 25th, and then Ace on February 1st. So, lots to come. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we will be breaking down the Oscar nominations. I can't believe the next time we record, we will know the Oscar nominations. And Bennett Presser will be joining us again to break it all down. I'm excited to see how we do. I mean, this is always (laughs) the thing. Yeah. I mean, considering I forgot a movie in my picture list <laughs> that I thought I had a director, I'm not incredibly confident, but I will maybe just fine tune them a little bit. I feel pretty good about these. I mean, as good as I can at this point, I think. I think last year we both did pretty well. I mean, I would say anything over 75% like is pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just excited to see what movies we'll actually be talking about for the Contender series because we spent so much time going category by category. So I hope they're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying to hone all of my Oscar actor choices for scenes lately, but I'm hoping some of those change next week. Mm Mm-hmm. But thank you all for listening. If you like our show, feel free to rate, review, and follow. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Oscar Wilde Pod and our Patreon where we have bonus series on Benefer, on horror films, on the holiday, and many more to come this year. That's at patreon.com slash Oscar Wilde. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.